0: Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. You all are probably getting tired of hearing from me. (laughs) This is the, I think, third or fourth podcast I've done this week, uh, live podcast, and there's actually two today. I haven't done two podcasts in one day in a very long time, but I just thought when I got up this morning and I looked at some of the things in the news that we needed to have a conversation about what's happening right now because things are degrading and tempers are rising at very high rates. And I, I thought of the uh, scene in Lord of the Rings where uh, Aragon is uh, speaking with I forget which king, but the, see, that shows how much of a Lord of the Rings fan I am, I guess. Um, But he's he's speaking with uh, uh, this king who's been under the dominion of Saruman and uh, says, war is upon you, whether you recognize this or not. And I'm summarizing, but that's the state we're in right now. War is upon us, whether we see it or not. And it's time to get with the program. And there are plenty of political conservatives, even people that are, claiming to be Christians out there on social media saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace, or that it's really not about Christianity. That's not what this is about. The the protests uh, right now in Nashville, the ones that happened yesterday in Kentucky, uh, advocating for um, transgenderism, that these are not against Christ. They're not against Christianity. They're not really about that. They're really just a, a broader attempt to rip down Western civilization. And yeah, they are an attempt to rip down Western civilization, but they are directly against Christianity. Make no mistake. I I have a proposal uh, that uh, no one will probably take me up on here, but um, I propose a compromise because right now the issue seems to be there's two of them. There's gun rights, right? And there's transgenderism. And um, and, and perhaps Maybe these two different groups, these groups on the left that have an interest in banning guns and promoting transgenderism, perhaps they can compromise with conservatives if we adopt red flag laws, but those red flag laws only apply to transgender people. So they get one of the things they want. They get red flag laws, but they don't get uh, (laughs) they don't get the advocation of transgenderism and the normalization of it. Now, of course, none of them are going to go for that because they're hardliners and because we're at war. Uh, compromises, uh, and I say this in a humorous way like that were for a bygone era, uh, where people could, uh, were, were close enough that they could give up some of the things they wanted and, and then receive some of the things they wanted. And, and that was a political compromise. That's the art of politics. Now I don't see that ever happening. These, these disagreements are so fundamental. There is no way to compromise with the left on hardly any issue anymore. And make no mistake, this is religious. This isn't just a political thing anymore. This is a uh, th- this is a worldview, civilizational clash, and we're in the middle of it right now. And we're in the fog of war. It's a little hard to get your bearings, but I want to help you get your bearings. That's part of the the reason that we're doing the podcast that we're doing today. So I have a few videos I want to share with you. Uh, somewhat stunning. Maybe they don't surprise some of you, but um, I was even a little surprised by some of. things i saw coming out of the administration um the chant this morning in nashville uh that there were seven people who died that that the transgender shooter is a a victim too of this i mean that is just stunning you you, think of any of the police related deaths uh and uh, imagine a scenario where um a police officer died in the line of duty but you know, there, there were some minorities who were killed or something. And then the protesters uh, wanted to include the police officer in that or, or something like that. It, it's unthinkable. The left would never accept it. Uh, they would, there's a perpetual and very rigid system of, of victimhood. And, and so the police officer is in a category of being an oppressor and those who uh, he he would have been fighting or, or uh, using lethal force on They're in a, position of being the victims and of course in this situation because the shooter the one exercising lethal force by murdering children and uh and teachers was transgender and exists in this category in the mind of the left where they are perpetual victims no matter what they do uh that that individual audrey hale is now uh, considered to be one of the victims, and it and it's unthinkable uh, what's happening right now in the administration and how they're treating this. In fact, so one of the reasons I want to do a live stream today, the thirty first uh, has been declared by the Biden administration to be a um, in an official proclamation to be a transgender day of visibility. If you can believe that, talk about tone deaf on the very week that this this shooting occurred. Well, um, we're going to get into some of this. I want to go to Russ though. Russ uh, has been waiting to call in uh, to the podcast uh, before we started, and I want to get his thoughts. And then we're going to go to some of these videos, and I'll show you what's going on out there. Hey, Russ, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing well. It's good to see you this morning. Yeah, you too. What thoughts did you have, or questions, or comments? Well, you know, as
1: I was just thinking about this, you know, I I think that um, you know when we went through CRT. BLM, uh, you know, a few years ago, there's the reality of we didn't understand the implications of at that moment, what that would mean later on. And I kind of feel like that's kind of where we're at right now. The things that are happening this week, you know, what is that going to look like, you know, two years from now, six years from now? And uh, so, I mean, that's really my concern is is there's, it seems like there's not a the, the, the level of um, foresight, I, I guess. You know, thinking about how things are going to impact the future, and so uh, I think people have just kind of accepted, you know, well things are just happening, and and uh, you know it is what it is. But there there is definitely a level of concern that I'm hearing from, you know, friends in church, and and you know we go yesterday. I went up to uh, uh, up to church just to pick up my daughter, and uh, you know the first thing we're talking about is all the issues right now. Uh, so there is that level of. Um, you know, concern that's out there, uh, but you know, he referenced Lord of the Rings, and and I just wonder how many people are are in that Theoden state right right now, where they're theoden, just kind of that's
0: the king. Thank you.
1: <laughs> uh, glazed over, um, but yeah, I mean, to me, that's kind of my concern. Just looking, that's the question in my own mind: is where are we going to be in in two years from now, based off of what's happening this week and what
0: you know what we're seeing here. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I think you're spot on with um, the fact that in 2020, many Christians uh, and political conservatives tried to keep their head down, uh, Tried, especially Christians, tried to sidestep it, tried to even join with the revolution to some extent uh, from a safe distance and encourage it. And, um, and they didn't know they, they were dealing with fire. And that fire has now crept into every institution, just about, uh, we've accepted critical race theory. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. Some, some are interpreting this as uh, the tide has subsided. And the issue is we're moving on to other issues, but we we are moving on to other issues, but it's because we've largely accepted critical race theory in our institutions. And just because there's not violence on the street doesn't mean that an objective wasn't fulfilled. It was. And now we're seeing Uh, a similar reaction. Now, it's not the same. It's not at the same level of crime at this point or anything. And I don't know that it ever would be um, the same way, but it's the same on a social level. The uh, change to our civilization and our social institutions is the same, uh, if not worse. The, The transgender activism is getting into everything. And um, and this is so fundamental, and that's what I'm hoping Christians are going to wake up to more as they're seeing it. Race has always been a bit of an Achilles heel, I think, in the United States, at least for the last since the civil rights movement in particular. But um, this issue of transgenderism uh, doesn't have the same history. And the people who might have been asleep on critical race theory, hopefully are going to wake up on the trans the radical transgender ideology and what this is, because it's demonic. It is from the pit of hell. I don't care if I'm banned for it. Saying that because that I I can't see anything re, um, even remotely tangentially related to this that's acceptable for Christians to participate in at all. It is completely of of the devil. Uh, mixing categories that should not be mixed. Uh, it's so so anyway. I um I, I think you're spot on with that and and you know I'm glad that at least you're having conversations. I think you're not alone in that. I think many are. Ah, uh, this morning, and it's kind of like we woke up and um, realized the world we're living in, and how out of control it is, and how little power I think people feel small, how little power they have to do much about it, and uh, and that's what, what what I need to talk about later in the podcast. But um, but yeah, I appreciate it, Russ. Any other thoughts that you had?
1: Yeah, I so tomorrow I'm so I'm an abolitionist. Uh, you know, support equal protection for the unborn. So tomorrow I'll be headed to Austin for, for uh, equal protection. Um, you know, I was just thinking about how, you know, advocation for equal protection is based off God-given rights. Um, but when you think about the trans movement, you know, it's based off of immoral rights, right? And the whole perp- reason behind that, and you've just been talking about it, is because our, you know, our society's rejected uh, biblical standards and now everybody kind of does what's right in their own eyes and uh so um you know i think that as christians we we stand on the word and we you know it's it's one conversation at a time and yeah. uh you know one one discussion uh you know whether we're talking about um you know the trans issue or we're talking about the unborn uh, it's it's going back to the sufficiency of scripture helping people understand what god's law says and his standards and then you know preaching the gospel, calling for repentance of sin. So I'm, I'm looking forward to being together with, with, uh, some godly men in Austin tomorrow that'll be pushing for, uh, equal protection. And, uh, so if you guys could be praying for us, uh, you know, we're hoping that, uh, uh, you know, the lawmakers and and then just people everywhere are going to, uh, open their eyes to the, uh, you know, to the Holocaust of abortion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Russ. Thank you for doing that. And, uh, Your reward is in in heaven for that. And I I do hope it's successful though here on earth that you're able to, especially in a state like Texas, get some uh, protection for the unborn. This is a clash of the culture of life versus the culture of death. There's no doubt transgenderism is on the culture of death. It is sterile. It is androgynous. It is uh, against uh, the the, uh, production and proper raising of children to be uh, valuable members of society. Society dies. uh, the only reason that it's surviving, it's not, and I wouldn't say it's thriving at all, but the only reason is um, that it hasn't done more destruction is because it's such a small percentage of the population that's transgender. That's growing. If you look at the stats for Gen Z, it is startling what, uh, and and I don't have them off uh, uh, in front of me right now, but uh, it is a very high, it's a a jump like no other uh, between any generation with the level of confusion over gender and sexuality so anyway russ uh hey god bless uh please pray for russ as he goes out there tomorrow appreciate you uh calling in yeah thanks john so we're gonna play some uh, uh videos uh to represent what um i've been talking about here in the opening for the program um and i'm, I'm debating which one to start with i think We'll start here. We'll start with um, the Biden administration. This happened yesterday. This is the spokesperson for the Biden administration, and uh, this is what she had to say: to, uh, the, "Those the trans, uh, our hearts go out to uh, the, those the trans community as they are under attack right now. Uh, our hearts go out to uh, the, those the trans community as they are under attack right now." I had to play it twice for you because. The first time you might have thought, did she really say that? And the answer is yes, she did. Our hearts go out to the trans community because they are under attack right now. They are under attack right now. Excuse me, who's under attack right now? Who was under attack earlier this week? The trans community was under attack? Who lost their lives in a shooting that now is is pretty accepted that the shooting was related to the fact that this was a transgender person who had an extra grind with a Christian school. I don't know exactly what the relationship is there, but that is part of the equation in this. And Christians were murdered. There are parents whose children are not coming home and the trans communities under attack. Can you imagine them saying this in any other shooting scenario? They never would ever. This should w- jolt people out of the slumber and realize not just the unequal weights and measures that are being applied, but uh, the moral insanity of this. Who's attacking trans people? They're attacking themselves. Their suicide rates are, are through the roof and that's um, and and of course that's used to say well it's because people are pushing them towards it uh that's debatable that people are pushing them towards it uh there th- there's a mental health component at least it w- you were able to say that up until recently that contributes to violent behavior suicidal impulses all these kinds of things uh political violence we just talked about that poll yesterday but that that's forbidden information in fact i would wager that uh universities in the united states are not even going to be looking into these kinds of questions anymore that that was for a bygone era um but that's how this narrative is being spun right now let's look at what happened in uh tennessee this is this morning and of course tennessee uh is i i've looked at a, a number of different things this morning it looks like the governor i believe it is is or the I'm I'm now blanking on whether it's the governor or the uh, a prominent I uh, I guess it would be their equivalent to the majority leader or something of their um the, their body their legislative body but um either one of them one of them is calling for red flag laws uh, of some kind so um it's so so that's happening but the protesters who are trying to uh, promote the uh, making guns illegal essentially uh, have taken over or tried to the capital there in tennessee. so you have a protester there uh, somehow got into the chamber, and then you have people that are, I guess, in the gallery who are chanting, "No action, no peace." This goes on for a while, and this was what was happening outside the chamber. You know, seven oh, Everyone's holding up seven. They're they're holding up the the number seven on their finger, seven fingers. I'd say there were seven good things. Yep. Okay, seven victims uh, of the shooting. So they're trying to include Audrey Hale in this, that uh, she, and I'll use the actual pronouns, was a victim of this. Not just the people that she killed, but she herself is a victim of this because the police shot her to prevent her from killing more people. So she's now a victim. We're at war. Uh, And it's not because of our freedom. It's not, you know, I'm having flashbacks to um, the terrorist attacks at 9-11 because I see some similar things. It's definitely not equivalent, but there's a few similarities. One is the Republicans at the time spun this narrative that, well, the terrorists just hate us because of our freedom. They totally ignored the fact that it was on 9-11 and that was a significant date for the relationship of the West and uh, Muslims uh, in in the um, in Saudi Arabia and in the Turkish Empire, really more specifically, and uh, they they chose that date because it was it was directly related to um, the Siege of Vienna, where Muslims were defeated. And uh, they you look at their own writings, and they were saying this is this is a religiously motivated thing. This is a holy war. And, of course, Republicans in our country, they because I think they wanted to cater to Muslims, they didn't want to appear to be bigoted, they wanted to attract diverse people groups, all of that, they decided to ignore the primary sources and just say they hate us because of our freedom. That's why they hate us, uh, as if that was the motivation. And I'm seeing something similar happening out there right now, that Audrey Hale, uh, and and not just Audrey Hale, I'm talking about the whole movement, The the what you just saw. Uh, that, you know, this is because they hate America. This is, and, and I think, I don't know if that's a kind of a, a boomer con as I described in a previous video reaction or what that is exactly, but that's the wrong take on this. They don't, they don't, they don't hate us. They don't hate, uh, uh America because it's America or because it's tied to Western Civ or, and they just hate Western Civ and they hate most of the people in that room were white, by the way, <laughs> what do they hate? What do they really hate? They hate a divine created order, and they hate the Christians who implemented that order and recognize that order in our laws, our mores, our customs, our institutions. That's what they hate, and they want to rip it down more than anything, so we got to get the motivations here right. Let's listen to what they're actually saying. Let's not try to put words in their mouth and guess their thoughts. Let's actually listen to their thoughts. Release the manifesto. Let's read it. Let's see what it has to say. Let's, let's look at what this room full of protesters in Nashville think about Audrey Hale's actions that day and whether or not she's a culprit or a victim because they think that she's a victim. I'm a little hot under the collar over this, as you can see, because we cannot make this same, we, we cannot fail this test again. We need to learn something from history. And 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 that's just one of the examples I'm thinking of is 9-11. Um, we, we can't start attributing false motives to these people and, and act like we can somehow negotiate with them or that th- this is somehow uh, not a threat. It's just uh, a few of the crazies or something. Yeah, there's some that are more crazy than others. There's no doubt about that. There are transgender people who would never think of doing violence or people who think they're transgender, who would never think of doing violence or... That's, that's very possible. I'm talking about trends here though. Uh, the study we read yesterday from Canada says it is a higher percentage. Um, what you just saw in that gallery in support of, uh, in this case, making guns illegal, there's an overlap in that crowd. Apparently is a, is an implicit support for Audrey Hale, that she's somehow a victim. Once you put her in that category, There's a moral goodness that, you know, if she, I guess, didn't, if she was unsuccessful, let's say, let's say she pulled her gun out and she didn't get very far. Someone noticed it and shot her. What would be the reaction then? She'd be the only victim, wouldn't she? But she was never a victim. She was always the culprit in this situation. And we'd probably have riots that would be much different than the ones that, that you're seeing today. Now, add to this, not just what you're seeing on the ground. Add to this what you're seeing coming from the administration. I just showed you the spokesperson for the administration, but let me show you some other things. Uh, Biden says transgender people shape our nation's soul in an official proclamation. Can you imagine if there was a, a, a police shooting and it was got a lot of recognition and then two days later, three days later, the administration has a uh, a, a very new, it's not even something that would have been traditional, but a new. Dedication to police recognition or something. The left would go bananas over that. Well, here we have President Biden issuing an official proclamation declaring that transgender Americans shape our nation's and soul. They shape our nation's soul. And establish a long holiday relating to the group this week. Biden uh, issued the proclamation Thursday to mark the 31st of March as Transgender Day of Visibility. Some transgender activists have renamed to day of vengeance. Really nice folks. <laughs> those, uh, those activists, transgender Americans shape our nation's soul, proudly serving in the military, curing deadly disease, holding elected office, running thriving businesses, fighting name me a demographic. This doesn't apply to you. could say you could insert any, almost any adult you know, category of adulthood in this. And they would be the same. They just serve in the military. They, Today, too many transgender Americans are still denied rights and freedoms, the president stated continued. A wave of discriminatory state laws is targeting transgender youth. Terrifying, terrifying, yeah. Families and hurting kids who are not hurting anyone. I'm sorry, who hurt a kid who is not hurting anyone this week? An epidemic of violence against transgender women and girls, in particular women and girls of color, has taken lives far too soon. This is absolute ridiculousness. Um, You could do this with Any any of the things that, let's say, a child uh, imagines, they want to be their fanciful imagination that, uh, you know, wants they want to be an explorer or an astronaut or a cat, as some now apparently want to identify as and any uh, attempt to keep them from expressing that in an orderly fashion and promoting self-control and responsibility, you could label that the same thing. You could make, you could insert that and make Joe Biden's argument here is that there's a wave of discrimination. They're not allowed to be cats, even though they bark like dogs and they meow like cats, you're not allowing them to have litter boxes in the bathroom. And you're not allowing the, our states aren't recognizing this important, that it's the same kind of thing. It's of the same nature. Um, and it, Trying to accommodate these these fanciful interpretations of themselves, uh, so so this is Joe Biden yesterday. This is the administration. This is the president of the United States uh, doing this. And then not only that, they released a a uh, I don't know what you would even call this um, evidence and action to support and affirm LGBTQI youth moving beyond change efforts. So it's it's an activist guide really. And this was released yesterday as well in conjunction with all of this. And if you want to know uh, what they say about transgender surgeries, I read it earlier. I'm not sure if I'll be able to re it now, but it's they are in support of them, puberty blockers included. Maybe I can find it. Um, and I, I mean, this is just this is nuts. Uh, let's see if I can find the actual. Here, here it is. Medical gender transition. This is from the White House. This isn't a think tank on the left. This is the president of the United States. This is the administration releasing this. Gender-affirming medical care is often medically necessary for individuals. Necessary. Not a convenience. Not a preference. It's necessary. Just like if you went into the doctor because your arm was bleeding and you needed surgery, it's necessary. Look at the category we're putting this in it's medically necessary for individuals with a diagnosis of gender dysphoria and can refer to a range of evidence-based interpretations or sorry interventions rather provided in consultation with licensed medical providers now it goes on and this is the sentence i want to read to you no medical interventions are currently undertaken or recommended for gender diverse children before the initial onset of puberty so if, if they're you know eight years old or you know seven years old but gender-affirming medical care, including both uh, pubertal suppression and hormone therapy, has proven effective in improving the well-being of young transgender and gender-diverse adolescents, both during and well after initiation of treatment. This is in the category of necessary. It's, an, it's a necessity. It must be done for those experiencing this. You, be prepared to see Pandora's box opened in ways that you never thought it would be. And the obligation now is will be put on you, the taxpayer. The one who doesn't even agree with this, who thinks that this is nonsense, this is not a medical emergency, you are going to be forced to pay for it. I guarantee it. It's already happening, I'm sure. Three state Democrat lawmakers apparently joined those protesters that you just saw in the Tennessee state capitol. So that's great. You have a political party with elements of it that cannot maintain self-control or dignity uh, and want to disrupt the legislative process. Uh, that I mean, they, they haven't even had the opportunity yet to make the arguments, and they're already doing this. Um, this happened yesterday in the state of Kentucky. Pro-trans Kentucky protesters arrested after swarming state capitol amid House vote to override Bashir's veto. Nearly two dozen people were arrested and cited for criminal trespassing at the Kentucky Capitol on Wednesday after protesting a bill on the bluegrass state pushed by Republicans to ban transgender procedures for minors. Now, I'm just thinking about a little event known as January 6th that we were subjected to reruns of for years. And I'm wondering whether or not what just happened in Kentucky is in the same category as far as they, they stormed the Capitol, right? They were arrested. They were trespassing. That's exactly what they did. And these are people that are advocating for transgenderism and the normalization of it. They want to prevent what Kentucky's doing to try to make this, uh, to, to try to make gender transition surgeries um, illegal for those who are under 18. Uh, I mean, this is what's <laughs> this is what's happening. And. And, and of course, no media coverage of this in the same way that January 6th was covered. Instead, the day it happened, the very day it happened, the Biden administration makes the announcement I just showed you, advocating for transgender, uh, quote unquote, rights, and uh, chastising state governments like Kentucky that would try to limit the expre- transgender expression at the taxpayer's expense and uh, the, uh, those who would prey on children. See what's happening. Here's the uh one of the people who got a lot of attention at that particular uh protest in Kentucky. I don't know a lot more details about this person. I'm sure more will come out, but um you know this is more this looks way more satanic uh, satanic than the January 6th shaman, by the way. Uh way more. Uh the shaman had a I'm not defending the shaman, but more of a, there was an American Indian kind of, kind of, if you looked into his beliefs, there was kind of strange. He kind of had a, even a Christian kind of quasi Christian thing going on. Uh, this guy, let's just say he doesn't look it. This looks like a priest in Satan's temple or something. And, um, and, and a lot of people, I guess, are coming to that conclusion. Now, I don't, I don't know the whole background of this guy, but he's wearing uh, what looks to be uh, like uh, a ram's horns or something, goat horns. Uh, he's got two sets of horns. Um, in, in a clerical kind of outfit as if he's a priest or something uh, with prayer beads and, and so forth. But it's, it's certainly mixed with a cultish kind of stuff. And um, and you can see all the people in there that are advocating, listen to trans kids, trans people, this and that. What does the Bible say? This is the verse that's coming to my mind right now. And it, it's from John 15. There's, there's a certain element of this that shouldn't surprise us. John 15 says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. This is Jesus talking. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also, uh, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my namesake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have not have sinned, but now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Now, this is 2,000 years ago. This is Jesus talking to his disciples before his death. But there's some parallels here. The hatred that the world has against Christians is directly related to a conviction they have over their sin. Because we remind them that they are under judgment. That they are in sin. That what they're doing is wrong. And they want to justify it and they want to jam it down the throats of everyone and using the force of the government if necessary, that what they're doing is acceptable and should be normalized because they are fighting inside themselves uh, the, the idea that what they're doing is wrong. Because in the back of their mind, they know it. And, and so those who represent God and represent his law, they are going to hate and, and that's really the bottom line here. That's what's going on here. We are transitioning from a Christian society as far as a society that valued Christian laws, valued Christian mores and Christian teachings. And uh, even those who weren't Christians thought Charlie Brown Christmas was great and their kids should probably go to church and youth group was a good thing. We're transitioning from that to paganism. And we're in the beginning stages. It's going to get a lot rougher. And what, as Christians, what, how do we think about this? How do we react to it? Well, I already gave you a clue. One thing we have to do is we have got to make sure that we are about the truth in all this. We cannot con- uh, console ourselves, comfort ourselves with the idea that, well, this is really just because they hate America. It's really just because they hate uh, Western civilization. Or this is really just because uh, of some other factor. Uh, it's it's strictly biological, and it's because of the hormones that are being taken. And those might contribute to some of this aggression. But you you need to accept the root factor here. The root factor is hatred against God. And God's representatives are Christians on this earth. Now, there are those who are not Christians, and I will concede this who, Also, uh, though they are in a very pitiable condition because they don't know Christ and it's, that's a scary place to be, but they still support elements of his law, at least in a a category of earthly good. They can recognize that it's better for husbands and wives to remain together and divorce shouldn't be normalized and we should be more conservative when it comes to quote unquote family values, right? There's people like that. They represent, uh, in a weak fashion, but still in a fashion, they represent the law of God because God has written his law on the hearts of individuals. That's what the truth suppressors are fighting within themselves. And so are, there are those who don't know Jesus Christ directly who still think that some of the things that God set down for his created order are beneficial and wise. They're going to be lopped into this too, but they will not be hated as much. And they are not hated as much as those who are true believers in Jesus Christ, who represent him so closely who look like him, who act like him, who behave like him in this world, and who aren't afraid to go up to people and share the gospel and provide the hope that they have. A hope that means that they don't, that people do not have to spend eternity under the judgment and condemnation of God, but they can experience forgiveness in Christ through repentance and faith. They are, those people are the ones that are hated the most. And many of you listening are in that group. (laughs) So that's the first thing. Know that you're hated by those who want to justify their sin. They love the darkness. All right. And it's, it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Right. Uh, number two, I think so that's 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 an important number one. But number two is you need to take inventory. All of us do. Many of you already have. And if you and, and I just want to encourage you, if you have good job, um, Russ calling in and telling me he's going go to go into the Capitol tomorrow. To advocate for the unborn, good job, right? Get involved. It doesn't mean that you need to be an activist like the left is an act. They're activists, but it does mean because uh, they they that's their religion. They give their entire life to it. But it does mean that with the resources that you do have, you need to think about what's the best way to invest these things: the abilities, uh, the money, the time, everything that you have. How can I best invest this? Uh, for the kingdom of God. And and that's going to look different for different people, but you have way more, uh, no matter who you are, really, you have way more clout and authority on the local level than you do anywhere else. Now, there there is a certain maybe exception to this, a prophet's not known in his own village. And there are people who uh, they're not taken as seriously because everyone knows them uh, and grew up with them and, and so forth. Um, in general, though, You are going to have way more ability to persuade people to advocate for things on the local level than you are on the national level or even the state level. And so this means that you can, even if the environment in Nashville this morning is kind of dismal, you can make sure that wherever you live, if you live in a place that hasn't succumbed to that yet, is preserved through and, and that may be running for the town board or something. I don't know. It may not be political. It may be we just need a really good church in this area. And without a good church, we can't really do much. Maybe we should be part of an effort to start one. I don't know. You're going to have to figure that out. But I think the road ahead of us is going to be very bumpy, but it's going to look different in different places where we are going to experience because we already are starting to the normalization of insanity, of sexual degeneracy at a level that, that we can't even imagine. I saw uh, there was a question, uh, I think this was earlier this week, there was, there was a uh, hearing. Uh, General Milley was in, uh, in uh, Congress and Ted Cruz and some other senators were asking him about why are there uh, drag shows at military bases, most of which are funded not by taxpayers, but by outside sources, but apparently some have been funded by taxpayers. Why? How come that's happening? Like, is that's just the ground's just moving underneath us? That's going to continue to happen, right? Um, but in areas in which you do have authority and control, you have the opportunity to stand up and be brave, and that might mean losing your job. That might be. You got to be wise about it. How you go about that? I, I think far too often Christians, because I've seen this over and over in academic settings, especially think to themselves, well, I don't want to get fired. So I will make sure that I, I stay here as long as I possibly can so that, uh, when the time comes, I can really make a stand. I can really do it. I am <laughs> thinking, you know, uh, not to pick on, uh, because Denny Burke does some, some good work here and there, uh, on the council of biblical, uh, uh manhood and womanhood or whatever it's called. Uh, but Denny Burke at Southern seminary, I just, he, he just came to mind for some reason because he had, it might still, I don't know. But when I was on Twitter, I remember he had always had this, uh, uh, the, the gentleman in Nazi Germany who refused to, to do the Hail Hitler. And he had that picture there. And that was his pinned tweet that, when the time comes, we got to be this guy. And I remember thinking, I think I retweeted it when I used to have Twitter. And I was like, the time came. The time came. And Russell Fuller did. And that's, that, that's where you have to be uh, uh, cognizant enough. And and look, many of us fail opportunities. Many, if you're if you're someone who feels like, man, I just I could have done something and I didn't, and I'm late to the game, don't don't beat yourself up. Confess it and move on. Get engaged now where you are, however that looks like. Uh, do a Christian library reading hour at, at your local library. Maybe you can organize that. Uh, that that will stem or at least fight what's happening across our country with drag queen story hour, right? Be creative is what I'm saying. Be creative. Well, uh, that's my little pep talk for today. Um, we are at war, whether we want to realize it or not, but we've always been at spiritual war. We've always been a, a, in a spiritual war for 2000 years, right? Really longer than that. But those who follow God have always been at war on a spiritual level. The difference now is that it, there's a culture war that is accompanying this spiritual war and the fault lines are somewhat similar uh I, I there's demons behind the transgender thing there's no doubt about that uh this is a confusion of of something so fundamental and basic in, in god's creative order and uh and now i think this week it's reached a point where this this war this culture war if you will there is a the national tide has really turned in a significant fashion i think in 2015 we saw there was remember when same sex marriage was legalized uh, same-sex marriage ceremonies, I should say. There was a precipitous fall after that. I mean, within a few years, we're arguing about whether trans people can be uh, competing in girls' sports. And at the time, we were assured that no, this isn't going to affect your your life. This is just something that uh, that we just need equal rights for gay people. That's what we were told. And, and of course, that wasn't true. And we found out it wasn't. Some of us warned about it, but we found out not too long after that it wasn't true. Well. Something similar is happening right now. There is a clash over uh, these these hormone therapies, surgeries, uh, whether they should be taxpayer funded, whether this is an emergency. You have the administration saying it is. And I think the tide this week is, is it, it, if it didn't turn, it showed us where nationally things are, at least with those who have positions of power. It doesn't mean every person is in agreement with this, but We know not every person was in agreement with same-sex marriage in 2011, 2012, right? But that tide changed. And I think we're in a similar point right now where the tide has changed or is changing. Uh, Who would have ever thought that something as heinous as that shooting could be interpreted in the fashion it's being interpreted in by much of the left, that uh, there's, there's another victim here. It's the shooter and we should have compassion. And, and even some Christians echoing this supposedly. So, um, so those are th- that's my admonition or my encouragement. Uh, number one, be realistic about this. Number two, make sure that you are part of the effort to fight this evil. And and it will look different e- just because the national tide has turned does not mean in every location it's going to be that way. In fact, I'd, I'd wager on a map of the United States. Um, that's so not population centers, uh, only population centers, but everywhere. The vast majority of the country land wise is going to be against this kind of nonsense. And um, many of you live in places like that. Some of you don't, you're missionaries. That's how you got to view it. If you're in an area that uh, ha- has totally been overcome and is looking more and more like Sodom and Gomorrah, you're a missionary and that's, and we need missionaries. So maybe you you need to stay there and be salt and light and and preach the gospel. Uh, we need people there. But if you are, um, if that's not your calling. If your calling is to preserve and to protect your family and, and you think you can, fulfill the great commission by being in an area that's not quite as insane, then you need to do all you can to preserve, to be, uh, to, to be salt, really to be that preservative influence, uh, where you are. Um, I'll close with this, you know, when I went down to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in North Carolina, and I I don't want this to come across as arrogance because it's not, I, 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 uh, I don't know how else to say it though. Um, I was surprised by the naivete of, the professors and students at that particular institution. They lived in North Carolina. There's a lot of affluence. People are moving in, in into that area, into Wake County, in, in crazy numbers. They still are moving in, and it was bringing a lot of success. And it was kind of uh, this—I um, don't know what style you would you would call it, but it was uh, my wife might say chuggy, but it was a middle-class, comfortable existence. Modern builds that all look the same. Uh, all-inclusive communities. Where you had everything at your fingertips that you could ever want. And of course, I hated it because I, I'm an outdoors guy and I like mountains and all you know, things to do that are outside. And I, you know, going to the movie theater and having a million places to eat and shop doesn't really appeal to me as much. It's nice for a day and then I'm done. You know, I want to go see something in, in nature. Um, so so I already had that going on. And there was a beautiful lake there, and that's that's kind of where I like to go spend my time. Uh, is walking, uh, hiking around that lake. But um, but I do digress. The, um, the culture that was being manufactured there or, or created there was kind of this international or, or more national, but also international um, kind of displaced people. <laughs> they They came from everywhere, right? You didn't know who you were talking to and where they were from. And they were there because of some company, right? Uh, in the triangle area, there's a lot of tech companies and so forth, but they had a lot of money. And and of course that that's good for business. Right. And, and and conservatives, unfortunately have a tendency, especially neoconservatives to want to do what's good for business, not what's good for tradition or what's good for your area what's good for your people, but what's good for business. That's a tendency. And, and that tendency certainly, I think prevails, uh, in, in that region. And so anyway, uh, the naivety, I think, is related to that to some extent, that you have people that are enjoying success. They're enjoying a life of entertainment and ease. They're enjoying all kinds of things that really are unprecedented in the history of the world. And when you're in that kind of a bubble, because that's what it is, especially if you're in a Christian institution, you're really in a bubble. I, and and I'm not criticizing Christian institutions. Don't get me wrong here. I don't have any ax to grind. I think we should have Christian institutions, but I'm just saying the danger is when you're in that you, there is a tendency to not see evil for what it is, to think that it's not really as evil as it says. I think that's why in so many of the evangelical circles, there's this softness on homosexuality that's developing in part. They didn't live where I live. (laughs) They didn't. And, and I don't know what to say about Tim Keller and people who actually do live in places like New York City. They, they just think that they can accommodate somehow. There's some strategy they can use to for homosexuals uh, and, and L- the LGBT community, whatever. It's not a community, but the, that group uh, to somehow view them favorably. That, that's a deception. It's harder, though, I think, to deceive someone when they're staring it in the face. When they see, because like like I've seen um, in, in the area that I live, I've seen on college campuses in the area, uh, the LGBTQ stuff go crazy. I mean, people, I see it in the way people dress. I see it in the, all the awareness shops and uh, witchcraft and, and all the the paganism that's ar- around me right now. I mean, it's growing at an exponential rate, it seems. I see it at, um, I, I see it, even down the street from me, I live in a, an area that traditionally has been apple country. It's a farming area, and now they're just big mural with rainbow flag and they and lesbians walking and with a heart and holding hands. And I mean, this is this is so fast, and it's being normalized and it's being weaponized. Uh, I saw this at my church a year ago with Moms for Liberty wanting to use the church uh, for a public event to specifically go after pornographic material being at the taxpayer's expense, being pumped into our schools. And that was a, a. you would think that that would have broad support, but in, in fact they were defeated and there was uh, threats online against the church for hosting it. And then going into the archives of, Hey, what does this pastor say about homosexuality? This is right in front of me. I can see it's a war where I live. And it's easier for me to see that, but it's harder when you're in a place where, like Raleigh, North Carolina, perhaps, where it's just there's a lot of that hasn't been normalized as much. Um, You're not pulling into the state park and seeing rainbow flags everywhere or going to the shopping center and seeing rainbow flags everywhere yet. I see it. I see it on a daily basis where I am. Everything is a rainbow flag. Everything's a, and it's not rainbow now, it's a trans flag. Um, We can't be naive to this. We have got to see where this leads, and we have to believe what the Bible says about this, that this is the result of a twisted uh, worship of creation and rejection of the Creator. If we can see that, we we all we we can know for a hundred percent certainty, if you're a Christian that this is going to lead to all the vices described at the ends of Romans one, that you don't if you don't want chaos, if you don't want the insanity that comes with this, and the breaking down of the family and the increase in crime and all the other social maladies that accompany this, then you need to nip it in the bud. That's my encouragement for those who live in red areas. Okay. Uh, lots of people weighing in and uh, really great comments out there. I think this is actually spot on. Uh, the church is all about loving them, and it, it's not really truly loving. It's, it's not loving when you tell your child, uh, you can go and eat all the sweets that you want to eat, right? It's not loving to let someone just follow. Their base desires. Um, any questions, any comments? Uh, now is the time to leave them because we're going to land the plane here in a moment. And later on today, there'll be another podcast about the If Gathering. So you get two for one today. Um, someone said, just said, I'm in uh, Northeast Raleigh and I'm horrified how the churches have caved. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, we had to leave Summit Church, that's where J.D. Greer preaches, and Southern Baptist Denomination because of poor leadership, God help us. Oh, I have stories that I can't share. Unfortunately, even on this podcast about Summit Church, and I and I wish that this is one of the frustrations I've had for a while is that there's a lot of people with great with stories, with insane stories about what's happening at some of these churches, and they'll come out and and or, or they'll tell me about it, and I'm like, "Are you willing to be a source?" Because I, I if I don't have any source, I can't go out there and talk about it, and and some people they can't that that's there, and some people that they're afraid to, and um. I know just from living in that area and being connected to people who are still in that area, um, there's a lot of bad stuff behind the scenes at many of these churches, uh, you would be surprised. Um, We are fighting this in Cyprus, Texas and the capital, Austin. I was in Austin not too long ago and you got a fight on your hands, by the way. You're in a red state, but it is getting blue and it's exactly what I said earlier. Conservatives, neoconservatives, unfortunately, make decisions that are good for the bottom line for business, oftentimes at the expense of the morality and the safety and the well-being of their people. When uh, Governor Rick Perry decided to try to court Silicon Valley and other major companies in in Wall Street to come down to Texas because he's going to give them cheaper taxes and, and that's going to boom the economy. Well, he was right about one thing. It'll boom your economy in the short term. And then you're left with the long-term effects of a bunch of people from California and New York living in your state who don't share your the values of your state. And they are going to vote against those values. And that's why Texas in large part is becoming Purple. It's not the only thing there's a legal migration. There's the fact that just Gen Z is, is liberal or progressive in general. So you got all these factors, but, um, but man, um, the California, Yeah, someone says the Californication of Texas has been a huge detriment for sure. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Um, this is why I, I, I think States like if you are truly wanting to live and, and I'm not just saying conservative politically, I'm saying you want to live traditionally. Okay. Uh, the way that your grandfathers, most of them or great grandfathers would have lived not, not in regards to technology, but in regards to your outlook on life in general, you want to be the person who's sitting on the front porch. That's a very American thing, by the way, front porches. And, uh, you, you won't see that in Europe (laughs) and, and you want to be sitting on your front porch, shelling peas, or if you're not agrarian, you know, sharing a, a good conversation with someone playing the guitar, whatever, and enjoying that kind of a community life. Uh, You want to be uh, involved in the local institutions in your community, whether that's the firehouse or the church or whatever. Uh, You want to live that traditional lifestyle, right? That uh, uh, somewhat of a pre-modern lifestyle in a way, Uh, a lifestyle that values, sees people as people and not numbers and takes pride in your craftsmanship. And people know what I'm describing. It's not just a Norman Rockwell world. It's a world that used to actually exist. It had problems because every person has sin, but it was it was superior in some ways to the world we're living in now. And you want to preserve that way of life. I wouldn't necessarily encourage you to go to Texas. Now, maybe, maybe it is, maybe Texas is the place. I know I was just talking to Joel Webbin yesterday and he's, he moved to Georgetown, Texas from California for these reasons. But, uh, but Texas man there's a whole lot of other leftists coming in with you and they do not share those values and they will will overturn your state as we're seeing now with the attempts uh, in Kentucky and Tennessee over the last 2 days they don't care about the rules and they will scream until they get what they want you need to be in a place that has the backbone to deal with that and maybe it's Kentucky maybe it's ridge runner you know maybe you need to go to ridgerunnerusa.com and check that out um, and maybe that's not a place that a lot of the more progressive types aren't going maybe it's Idaho i mean be creative about it, but where if you are living in a place that has, uh, been shielded, keep it shielded. If you are moving to a place, uh, to protect your family and because you know that this is war, then you're going to want to find a place that has been relatively shielded if you possibly can, or, or you have to be in large enough numbers that you move to an area and you just, uh, I, mean, I, I don't recommend that. That is a not, that is a strategy some are taking to try to, um, fulfill godly responsibilities in safety and 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 so they'll go to an area that's maybe more progressive but try to bring as many christians there as possible to make sure that i i i have my own views on that i don't think it's a a very necessarily a wise move long term it's short term it sounds great um i just don't know that those things work out long term very well um you don't see Israel doing that, you know, going to the pay uh, to, to the pagan nations, except for when God completely clears it out and commands the children of Israel for who's ever left. Clear it out. Um, it's 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 just it's dangerous to try to to play with that fire. It's hard and it's a hard thing to do uh, when if if your goal is to I want my kids to grow up in this wholesome environment, we're going to make it wholesome here. Um I mean, you can sort of control your house, but man, your neighbors, your the the people around you—if there's a pagan influence there, it will seep in through the cracks, no matter what kind of uh, things you try to do to prevent that. Um, and I would say that evil's in the human heart, so no matter where you go, you're going to be dealing with evil. But but that external evil that we're talking about today—that's going to seep in through the cracks. And so um, so take take that into account uh, when you're looking at places to move and all of that. All right. Well. Um, one last comment here. My family, this is very uh, timely for me. My family is considering a move to Texas because one of our children has had to move there for work. And that might be the place to go. That, that may be the place families are are the, the deck is being reshuffled. And I think it's a good thing. I know there's some conservatives out there, uh, mostly those who are in that neoconservative category uh, who are, are thinking that this is playing into the hands of globalists or something. And it's like, oh, well, everything plays into the hands of globalists, I guess. You know, they're, they're always two steps ahead thinking about what they can do to control you or something. No, It's, it's much better as a general principle to be with people who share your, uh, your basic underlying philosophy of life and your commitments to the truth. It, it, it's always better. To, and you need to also have somewhat of an attachment to a mission field, whether that's traveling a short distance or whether that's, um, there are, there's just non-Christians in your community. There always will be, but, um, but it is wise for the sake of protection and raising families to be in places where you have people around you who can support what you're teaching them. So they're training their children the same way that you're training your children. That's always better. And not everyone has that luxury. Not everyone has that calling. But um, I think for a lot of people, that is something that they're looking at and wisely uh, they're looking at that. All right. Well, um, (laughs) okay. This is the last comment now. There are plenty of conservative Californians. They're not the problem. And I, i be one of them, I guess. Right. I am one of them. Uh, (laughs) so I, I, yes, I was born in California. A lot of my family's still in California and, and like typical Californians, one side, uh, from Ohio, one side, um, from Mississippi and, uh, and, and native Californian. And so, um, you know, Californians, it's like when you go to Alaska the people who are living there have not been there for that long. It's like, since, you know, it was achieved statehood. So very short history, a man can go make his mark in Alaska. Uh, California is a little longer than that, obviously, but, uh, same kind of thing. Whereas where I live right now in New York and where I lived in North Carolina and Virginia, you have families that go back, you know, centuries sometimes. Um, my, my wife or her family goes back centuries in New York, right? They're so rooted here. Um, but uh, but anyway, California. Yes, there there are places. California is actually very red. Most of the state there is a Ronald Reagan came from California. It's those blue urban areas that are controlling the rest of the state. And, and maybe we should start considering this is one of the areas maybe you can get involved with um, some outside the box solutions for some of this, like dividing some states up. Who says California has to be as big as it is? Who says Texas has to be as big as it is? Why not have Uh, different states uh, that can govern themselves. Uh, There's a scale problem here when a state gets so big that uh, you have people that are making decisions for everyone and they don't represent everyone. So um, think outside the box. Uh, All right. Well, God bless. That's, That's it for the podcast today. Hope that was helpful. Bye now.